You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. This is episode 66, and I am here with my friends from across the country. I'm Frank Gill, and over in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hey, hey. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Dunmar Pete. It's good to hear your voice, Frank. And unfortunately alone in the uh, MMM studios, we got Andrew Larson. Hello, everybody. Timmy, we, we're going to miss you, but we understand that you put your family before Prioritizing us. Prioritizing my family. Oh, boundaries. I read cloud once. Okay, big deal. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are we are here. We are... We are together. Guys, how was your um, uh, weekend? How was your week so far? How was church? Give me all the tea. The tea was tasty in our church. We had a baptism yesterday of a a guy named Mr. James, and his son and wife came. It was awesome. I preached live, and uh, we split it. I don't know if you've ever done a split deal, Frank, but I preached um, the 830 service at our main campus and then i went back and preached the 945 and 11 at our campus and then afterwards we had a grow character class um which is basically about forming spiritual disciplines after and it was really well attended so church was good this was my uh family's uh covid week so we are coming off of a kid having covid so that was fun uh, I felt like a terrible, terrible parent because on Tuesday last week, we went to D.C. to see the cherry blossoms because that's what you do when you live near here. And uh, they were awesome. They were beautiful. It was like, but it was like 33 degrees and a little breezy down by the tidal basin, which is where it is. Uh, we always go to the MLK, um, uh, what do you call it, monument, because like we, we know the parking and stuff there. So that's just our landmark. And the cherry blossoms are right there. And, uh, so it's like, you know, 33 degrees and a little breezy. So it's, it's cold. I mean, it's, it's feeling real cold, but it was sunny and beautiful. So our daughter, uh, our six year old is like, Hey daddy, I'm a little cold. And she didn't bring like a winter coat, which is kind of my fault because I'm the adult, but she had like a jean jacket and a hoodie. And then I had brought a couple blankets in the car just in case. So thankfully I just wrapped her up in one of those, not thinking anything of it. Then a little while later, like 30 minutes into this you know, cold weather trip, she starts saying, my head hurts. And I'm like, that's weird. You know, my wife and I are like, it's kind of weird for a kid to have a headache, but you know, maybe she, it's probably nothing. It's not totally out of the norm. Well, by the time we get back to the car and uh, we had, we have a one-year-old with us too, who's had a complete meltdown freak out because she got too cold. She kept taking her mittens off, froze her hands. Anyway, get back to the car. My six-year-old is now like, my head really hurts. And I feel her, and she's got a little bit of a fever. And that's when I'm like, oh, dang, this might be COVID. I don't know how the heck she would have got it, because we're not around anybody, really. We homeschool. And, like, (laughs) who are we around? But that's how COVID works. So get her in the car, and now I'm feeling real guilty driving home for an hour with a kid who was, like, feverish in 35-degree weather with not the proper clothing on. (laughs) So anyway, we got her home, took took one of uh, Papa Joe's free tests, and um, she was positive. Then I had a freak out moment because I went downstairs and took my test and I put mine on the kitchen counter. I had put hers on our dresser upstairs and just in the mix up of going up and downstairs and giving her Motrin and stuff. When I walked back upstairs, I looked at her test that was positive and was like, oh, dang it, I'm positive, too. And so then my wife and I had like a 10 minute thing of like making plans and I'm going to stay in the other bedroom. And then I was like, wait a minute, my test is downstairs in the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> so I go downstairs and I was negative. Uh, but yeah, it was like three. She Her symptoms weren't too bad, but she was like three three full days of being like a zombie in her room. And then so basically like yesterday, which was Sunday, was the first day where she like woke up with no fever, no medicine. And she's been fine. She's really been fine since Saturday. So we played it safe. She stayed home. She's been a little, you know, she's fatigued and stuff. Uh, so So yeah, that was our week. Uh, church was great though. We had a bu- we had like three, three or four new guests again. Uh, and the same new guests that came last week came back. Uh, we had a guy in our church who is, um, retiring back to Nigeria 
but also planting an alliance, our denomination, uh, planting an alliance church in Nigeria in his hometown. So he just got back from a trip uh, to Nigeria. So he he and I like did a uh, we sat down like Andrew at a tall table and I did like an interview with him. And mm-hmm. it was really cool. A lot of a lot of uh, positive feedback it was really fun. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. You know, Jeff, I, I'm going to tell you, thanks to you, um, I was able to have a really good conversation in the metaverse this week. Because uh, I hang out um, on big screen in the evening. So if any of y'all listening have big screen, look me up. Um, but uh, I was talking to this one guy. He's from Charlotte. And he goes to an Alliance church in Charlotte. And uh, we were able to have a really good conversation. I was wondering what in the world the connection was to the metaverse. Because I'm probably the least person on this podcast to be in the metaverse. No, but but it was really cool because uh, I was able to kind of, you know, even share, you know, if he listens to this podcast. But uh, it was really cool to have a frame of reference to actually have a, a pretty meaningful conversation with him. Cool, so. man. We had a, a good Sunday. It's, we're in this season where like attendance keeps ticking up the right direction, so that's always exciting. And we had, uh, you know, a bunch of people there. It was good. And we did what we do most weeks. You know, we, we preach, we sing, we, we do all the things. And then we had fellowship time, which was always exciting because we do that pretty big around here. But my mom had signed up to be the the food bringer for the fellowship hall and typically other people will sign up you know alongside somebody and that just wasn't the case so i was like what can i do to make sure that my mom has brought enough food for 70 or so people and so i was in the church uh, kitchen before we started making cinnamon rolls for everybody it was exciting i got to preach run sound and uh make cinnamon rolls all things Jack of all, all people you know anyone that says i need to delegate more Paul said to be all things to all people, so whatever. Maybe try some um, exegesis, though. <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> I guarantee you it's is, not what What's it funny means. is I went blank on the word exegesis in the middle of making that joke. So <laughs> it's jokes on point. me. <laughs> jokes on me. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, I mean, we did our, um, this weekend, uh, we had a guest preacher come in. He's a, he was a president of a local university and he preached on first and second Timothy. Like we're doing a service. Like a Christian university. Yeah. It's okay. Actually. Um, have you ever heard of new tribes? Yeah. Like they're like I a missionary not. organization. Yeah, mission- yeah. So they have missionary Bible colleges, oh, like two cool. year, they have like a two year, like undergrad institution. And then they have like cultural preparation institutions yeah. and stuff like that. So. Like Milwaukee, it's actually Waukesha. It's another city over. They um they have we have like the undergrad institution that like um helps like fresh out of high school kids kind of get a, a basic understanding, basically like a Bible certificate. It, it's Word of you, Life. Yeah, it's similar to Word of Life. It, it I don't know. It doesn't feel like a gap year type of situation. It feels a little bit more legit. And a lot of these people who do this are going to end up being missionaries in the mission field. But the president of the school goes to my church and he spoke and he spoke on first and second Timothy. And he basically talked about the qualifications of a pastor and everyone's like, you know, is Frank, <laughs> is he pastor qualifications? That was fun. Um, they weren't really judging me, but also this Sunday was the first Sunday I announced that I'm going on sabbatical. And, uh, and so that was interesting. It was a lot of people were really happy for me. I, I always don't know how to, um, did you have um, did you have any must be nice people? Oh, sabbatical <laughs> must be nice. No, it I must mean be nice. It must I, be nice. I I just I basically just explained like, hey, this is you know, I've been at Epicos for X amount of years, I've been in ministry for X amount of years, and a sabbatical is an opportunity for a pastor to kind of like, you know, rest and focus in the Lord and you know, do different things. But it's and, what we um, pay you to do all the time. <laughs> and then uh <laughs> Um, you know, I talked about how a previous pastor and our staff went on sabbatical last year, but no one knew who he knew he did it because he's an executive pastor, so he doesn't get a lot of like you know stage time. And then I just kind of warned them. I said like, "Hey, you're gonna see me like traveling and seeing friends and and other pastors at different churches, and I don't want you to think that I'm like interviewing at different churches because you're gonna see me at a bunch of different churches over the summer. I don't want you to get nervous about that." And so, anyways. A lot of people like are really happy for me. They're thrilled that I'm taking a sabbatical. They were already saying like, "Hey, I'll mow your lawn when you're traveling," and like, 
you know what like, it was very generous i was like man i'm blessed to be at such a great church also we um we had our like kind of like new visitors orientation monthly meeting that we do called first step and um the first service we had zero people attend but the second service we had like 15 people attend and that's like the most i've ever had at one service it doesn't mean i have 15 like brand new people it just means we have 15 people who've never gone through the first step class which is like our you know history of the church and kind of like our vision and mission of what we want people to go through so it was pretty cool it was a neat experience um well hey uh i want to i want to dive into our clergy cliff note but before we do that andrew I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I'm ready. Can you, sh- can you share with our audience what our friends at DYM are doing this uh, this fall and kind of how they can be a part of it? DYM has started a new resource called First Few Years. You can check it out, firstfewyears.com. It is a resource specifically for new youth workers who are fresh out of Bible college or are just getting plugged in to a church. And it is kind of the master list of, boy, I wish I would have known this when I was getting started in ministry kind of stuff. And they're putting together a conference that is gathering this fall as well. And you can check out all that information at firstfewyears.com. Yeah, firstfewyears.com. I think think first is spelled with a number one ST, right? It's not spelled out. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. firstfewyears.com. I would encourage, if you are a youth pastor that's been – Literally in your first few years, like maybe the first three years or so, four years, I would encourage you to go to this. And if you know a youth pastor, like um, Andrew, I would have sent your youth pastor to this. I think he would have. He yeah, would have but been, he he quit. Last, <laughs> yeah, Sunday, last week was his last day. So I know, he, it, I know. But we knew it was coming. It was a thing when we hired him. It was to graduation. You get it. But it's yeah. more fun to say he quit. Yeah. But it, sure. it's like guys like him. I think of the youth pastor at my church who's this is I think he's entering to his third year or maybe second and a half year of ministry as a youth pastor. Like this is great. I always say this about uh, DYM and like some of the events they put on. I wish I went to stuff like this when I was in youth ministry. When I first started out, I was just I was a lone ranger youth pastor trying to figure out on my own. And I made a lot of mistakes on the way, and I wish I, w- I had something like this. So I will second that a million times. It yeah. is, I the thing that I wish I knew most at the beginning of my ministry time was that there's no merit badge for doing it alone. There's no mm, prize that's good. for not networking with other pastors and seeing how other churches are doing what they're doing. So this podcast that you're listening to right now is the result of us being able to be networked with other pastors and boy, is it life giving. And I'll even say a a lot of our relationships were even enhanced because of DYM. Like that's what pushed us into having more conversations. Well, not Jeff. um, We didn't know Jeff. No, it's true. Jeff was providentially brought to us by the Lord. I was in the, I was in the worship ministry world pretending like I wasn't also a student pastor because it was a slash, you know, slashing my job title but uh i mostly was focused on the on the worship ministry part yeah he was like listening to john mark mcmillan being like this is edgy and like loving life anyways yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh first few years.com go check it out hey we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna dive into our clergy cliff note And we're back, and uh, I want to begin this conversation with a question. Have you all seen the movie Turning Red on Disney Plus yet? I have. Have not. First night, I've first watched night like the first out. 30 minutes. Andrew, you said you watched it the first night it came out? Yep, my boys were very excited. Really? I like yeah. didn't even realize. Like, I didn't. This is like a brand new character. I didn't know that people were like hyped for it until after it came out. So it's a new Pixar movie, man. It's true. Pixar, Pixar, um, Frank, Pixar. I, I hear you. So, Dell, you watched some of it. You said, yeah. And then it was I'm, the kids' bedtime. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and Jeff, you haven't seen it. Have not. Not really okay. on my radar. Well, my wife uh, and I have had a conversation about it, but I haven't so seen it. 
I'm I'm assuming all of us have heard how like this movie is somewhat controversial, especially amongst Christians. Is that fair to say? Or, or I feel like this- I'm I'm reliving my childhood James Dobson boycott Disney days. <laughs> well, I think and I think those conversations are getting heavier, especially. I mean, Andrew, you're in Florida. We haven't even talked about this, but you know, Disney has kind of like um, fumbled that whole conversation with the governor and the don't say gay rule. And then like Disney first didn't say anything. Then they were kind I of believe you're referring it. to the, the parents right act, but if you want to call it that, then sure. Buy into the propaganda, Frank, <laughs> as, someone, grooming, as someone who's not in Florida, I, uh, I have not cared about this rule because I, I'm not involved in it. Maybe I should also, it's not, a, I'm not a parent, so I haven't really thought much about it, but I know that Disney was like, kind of forced to make a statement and not only did they make a statement but they kind of like like i think they made a statement something to the extent of like not only are we like trying to promote lgbt rights we're trying to infiltrate culture by dropping this in the movies is that a thing that he said or am i making that up no i was listening to one of the ladies at at disney uh video she recorded where she was talking proudly about how her kids are lgbtq and all that and they're very young and how she feels a desire to push this out into at least almost half of the media they have coming down so i mean as a parent that's conversations i have to have in the house now because usually i could just give my remote to the kid and feel like they're safe on disney so i mean it's definitely and 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 to your thing about having to put a stake down they didn't have to like there are people yelling at them on twitter saying blah 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 they're the one who chose to respond to the twitter mob you know so i feel like that they want us to think that they had to um but for so long they had been doing a really great job of towing the line at least in in some regard so i feel like that they've now what they've done consequently is they're forcing parents to have to put down stakes where they didn't even want in the Disney sphere. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think the the Disney thing, from my understanding of it, is some of the motivation for Disney to act the way they did. Um, and I haven't seen the interview that you're talking about, Dell, But I know that there was um, a, a big chunk of the employees who are like animators and creatives who are saying, if you don't act this way, then we're out. And, you know, so Disney, the CEO, I would not want to be the CEO of Disney right now because you're caught between the you know the major the the big part of the bell curve of people who who are paying for disney is going to be kind of your average parents with kids in that age range and then you're caught between them and the people that actually make the content and you know you you've probably got i'll just say this as a musician somebody who's been around creatives my whole life there's a higher percentage of people who might be in the category of LGBTQ who are more creative types uh, in kind of the art and music world. And there's um, an not everybody. Piece. There's an empathy piece when you're around people like that more as well. The more yeah. you're around something, the more empathetic you're going to be. And so the creative types, especially, you know, in Disney hires a very diverse workforce. So yeah, it was, there was a work, a, walkout yeah. of Disney employees that caused the response. And and to go back to what we are always saying, I mean, it's you follow the money. You have all the creatives walk out from Disney. You're not going to make content and make money. But at the same time, if you go that direction, you're going to lose some income from people who are going to say, I don't want this kind of propaganda in my, you know, in my kid's world to which, you know, I get it. It's, it's it's in it it's touching my world because I'm nervous now. What is my daughter watching? But at the same time, this is the world she's living in. So as a Christian parent, all it's doing is forcing my hand to just be more engaged and, and disciple my child more. Um, you know, I can't just you know let them listen to whatever they want to listen to or or see which I never should have been anyway. Um, so it's just I just think it's we're just getting in a world where the reality of Christian culture is just far less and less, you know, a thing. So I can't just be like, Oh, most of this is going to be fine with what we believe. It's probably not. Um, you know, and my daughter is engaging with all kinds of different people from different kinds of backgrounds and worldviews. And she's homeschooled, but she goes to a gym. She, you know, has play dates with friends and there's all kinds of different people around. And frankly, 
you know, sometimes I get like worried about it, but then other times I think when, like when she's an adult, she's going to be dealing with all this stuff. So if I'm going to try to, I can't protect her forever. So I need to start having these conversations with her at appropriate time. And yes, I do feel like it's forced a little bit. I mean, she's six, well, seven, but at the same time, like she just, I mean, she doesn't have to watch Disney plus either. I mean, that's fair. Like we shouldn't be having to have these conversations and the fact we are, exactly reiterates why, for example, that bill needs to exist, you know, and, and they were responding to the, um, false narrative of the bill than what it actually said, you know, cause don't say gay, like, like, like Andrew was saying earlier, it's not really alluded to in that forceful of a way, but you know, now I'm having to have conversations with my children about like why we don't have Disney in the house anymore, you know? Um, because that is, I, I have to, there has to be like there has to be a line in my family, you know, where like if the organization actively does not value you for having certain values, then I feel like I don't need to give them money, you know. Um, so I'm having to have conversations like I, I do this at night when I go to bed with my kids. It's just real simple. I have a two year old. I say, Delmar, who do boys marry? He says, girls. I said, who do girls marry? He says, boys. I mean, we do this with... You, cate- you have that conversation with your kid before they go to bed at night? Um, like, well, I, ca- I catechize my kids at night a lot. I, like, I, I like, realize that, but that's that's not I, in the shorter catechism. That's No, it's not. That, I, I, that's, that, that's, that's what I was trying to get to. That is exactly I, what the Florida bill is about. Like, hey, these are not conversations you need to have exactly. with, no, 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 with no. a young These child. are not conversations that other people uh, need yes, to have with my should kids. Be having. Okay? I get a right to have these kids because if I don't, it becomes normalized by somebody else. So yeah, I'm going to teach my, now granted that's where it stops. I don't get into it much, but you know, in the evening, oftentimes my kids will, will read a book together. We will do catechisms. I'll ask them just questions about life and reality. I think that this is like really important that we start like helping our kids see through some of this stuff now. And there again, I'm not saying I do it right, but I'm saying like, if 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 the culture around us is getting down to two year olds on Disney watching this, because effectively that's what they're going to be doing, right? Through some of their programming, we'll be doing exactly what the bill is trying to prevent the teachers to do. So, like, you have to start engaging it earlier, and I think you don't have to be so um, upfront about it. But I think like establishing values that God approves of and that He loves. And that he says is the way for us to be. I think you can't start with that too early. Well, as the only Floridian here and the only one with adolescent children, I will say, uh, and, and the only Disney pass holder, I will say we... I want to be, but yeah. they're expensive. Uh, the, they're, they're way cheaper when you live in Florida. But we we watched Turning Red opening, like the, not opening night, you know, the night it was out on Disney Plus, we watched it with our family. And there were some things that were over the head of my younger kids that my 12 year old was, you know, a little bit uncomfortable because it's, it's, you know, girl puberty humor is what it is. There's, there's period jokes and the mom shows up at school, uh, like with pads and, you know, that she's just, the little girl is mortified that her mom is showing up like that. But we take a very different approach to, the to our reaction to whether it be Disney or whatever it may be with especially our 12 year old who's the the oldest one and it the conversations that we have is there is God's standard that God has for followers of Jesus and if you are a follower of Jesus you don't get to pick and choose what God's standard is for your life God's standard is God's standard but there are other people that have chosen not to follow Jesus and if someone does not follow Jesus then their standards are not your standards and so they're going to do things differently than we do. And that is a reality. And we are called to love all people, whether or not we agree with how they do things or not, or whether or not they have the same standards that we do. And having conversations like that have really opened up a whole lot of really good conversations with my tween son. We, uh, and this is probably not the spotlight on my parenting, uh, I started watching through Brooklyn Nine-Nine a few weeks ago, and he came out one day and saw that I was watching it, and he was on the couch and was laughing at whatever I was watching and asked if he could start watching it with me. I was like, uh, I don't know, Dad. Uh, you know, I don't know, buddy. This is not like a, a, a kid show. And he, 
I, I gave in and started watching it. Well, a few episodes later, one of the characters has a pregnancy scare and it's kind of like an out of nowhere thing. You don't know why she's upset. And then she tells people and he looked at me and goes, well, maybe she should know that God wants us to wait to have sex until we're married. And here's a 12 year old who is watching a sitcom not made for him. And his reaction to the cultural moment is here is God's standard compared to my standard. And he gets the humor in what's going on in the show, but by putting it out there that a whole lot of the entertainment and things that we see on TV, it's not coming from the perspective of someone who's trying to follow Jesus with their life. Um, I don't know. That's kind of the perspective that we've chosen to take when it comes to media and entertainment with our kids. And just in the past month has resulted in some really good and powerful parenting conversations. So we didn't, we did not try to hide any bit of, uh, of turning red. We, we watched it multiple times and we don't expect Disney to disciple our children. We expect to disciple our children sometimes while at Disney world. I know, um, I haven't talked about this a lot, but uh, I have another podcast with um, a, a campus pastor here at my church um, that we call the Marvelous Gospel. That and it's a, it's a podcast where we are rewatching all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in in um, release order, and our premise is like th- these all movies. This actually goes back to me and Jeff's uh, Trinity days with Doctor Shores, um, but like. Uh, all movies have a message. Like all movies are a pulpit, regardless of what movie it is. All movies have a message and has a worldview. And the objective of the believer is, is obviously not to take those movies at full, at full value, wholesale value, but to like analyze them and look at them through a biblical and theological lens. And so we were rewatching the Marvel movies and we're asking ourselves, what are the redemptive elements in those movies? And what are the things that are negative, bad worldviews from those movies that should be corrected as we view uh, view those movies, and I think that like I was ta- you know I've talked to a number of parents about this movie. I, I haven't even got to the guys. This conversation took a hard left turn, and we never even got to the the link I wanted to share yeah. this clergy cliff note. Gospel Coalition has this thing about unhelpful advice and turning red. Uh, the link is in the show notes, but we're basically talking about it. Um, you know, this movie in particular, I've had a couple parents on like both sides of the conversation say this is the most important movie that like young girls need to watch. And then a move and another side of this is like, this movie needs to be like banned from everybody. Right. And, and I feel like a little bit, it, both of those are a bit of an exaggeration of like what those, that this movie really is. But like, it's an interesting conversation because I do think we're at a point and I, I don't, I'm not a parent. So you guys can speak in more authority than I can, but if you haven't been like filtering movies before your kids watch it, then like, I think that's unwise. Like even it, like, I don't think I used to say this as a youth pastor to teenage parents all the time, to, to parents of teenagers all the time. I said like, your kids should not have unrestricted access to the internet. Like it's just point blank. Like there's just too much on there. And I think any child, you should be able to at least go on IMDB and look at the parental suggestions of a movie before you show it to your kids. I think you should watch the movie ahead of time or the show, but like, um, just saying, you know, it's it's the reason why YouTube is a dangerous place. On YouTube Kids, there's like weird content that slips in there, but we live in this percent this perspective that like it's YouTube Kids, everything is going to be good. And I think I think we're now getting to a, a a state of our culture where like even stuff towards kids can be weird or not with our worldview. Going back to this movie, I like didn't think it was that bad of a movie. My issue of this movie actually has less to do with any kind of like, if there's a very subtle LGBT like moment in there, it's super subtle. My thing is actually more of like, I feel like it kind of promotes kids disobeying their parents and like rebelling against their parents. Um, Andrew, did you get that? That's a worldview that's been promoted since we were kids in movies. But every Disney movie is every Disney movie is about a little girl who disobeys her parents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who's the villain in Little Mermaid? Ariel, right? Who's the villain in Finding Nemo? Nemo. (laughs) They all disobey their dad. (laughs) My my wife watched the uh, like. There's a a making of Turning Red thing that came out with the movie. I saw that too. Yeah, and like multiple changes. It changes. It changes changes your perspective. Some things, but again, it goes back to well. 
okay, if you're going to boycott every product put out by someone who you disagree with, are you, you know, are you surveying the people that work at the Nike factory before you buy the shoes? And maybe you are, I don't know, but there are conversations that are worth having. But the first conversation you just need to have, especially with your kids, is that not everybody's going to have the same standards that we have, period. And that's the world that we live in. And if you expect everyone to have the same standards that you do, then you're going to be disappointed all the time. You know, for me as a parent, it's very important that my child is aware of what I find my delight in. You know what I'm saying? Like where, where we allow our kids to see us having delight influences them a lot, you know, because I'm often taken back to that scripture about where our ultimate delight is supposed to be in the Lord. So to take Frank's approach, you know, you're watching Marvel delighting in the Lord because you're seeing what can be redeemed, what needs to be rejected, right? And I think when we watch these movies, our kids need to know where we find delight and what we find this should be rejected. Like it's important to have those conversations um, and, you know, as far as boycotting thing, I know like Baptists seem to have the corner on that. Um, but uh, no, the but gays you, do too. Not true. The Baptists yeah, and the, 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 yeah, the gays. It's like the, the fist meme where they're both grabbing hands and they have unity in, in one in our, place. In our evangelical world, we just don't call it cancel culture. No, we call we it boycott. Do, we yeah. do it, but we don't call we it. We do that. it poorly. Let's admit, we, we we do not boycott near as effectively as cancel culture cancels. But um, but you know, I think with the thing with boycotting, there's a difference between like, for example, boycotting Harry Potter because oh, there's magic in it, versus if J.K. Rowling came out and said, "Listen, Christians, we want to work against your narrative. We don't like you." We want this to be a thing that your children receive even when you don't. That is a much different position to have towards the nuclear or non-nuclear family. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, one of those merits a harsher response than the other. If you're simply living and your values don't align with mine, I can have a conversation with kids. But if you're living and your values don't align with mine and at the same time you are actively saying and promoting that you're working against things that I find value in, that's different. And I'm not saying Disney is doing that because I don't know, but I know that some companies are, you know? And here's My only pushback to that is I actually don't believe companies are doing that. I think everything is marketing. Everything is just like, I think at that moment, Disney wanted to appease a certain section of their fan base knowing it's going to offend others. And in that case, all news is good news, I guess, for, for, for a company. And, like, I actually don't think – I mean, and this is I'm, – I'm like Andrew. Like, I'm very much team. I love Disney. If I lived within eight hours of the parks, I would have a, a an annual pass. I love all things Disney. And I don't believe Disney has a moral backbone. I think ultimately they just want to make money – and they know that a large section of their audience that they literally make probably millions of dollars off of is the LGBT audience. And and I think I think Disney at minimum has been proven to them that catering to a Christian fan base doesn't make it as profitable as profiting towards the LGBT fan base. Case in point, Night of Joy doesn't exist, but the gay day where they have like the celebration, the parades, the pride celebration still exists at Disney. And and you don't see like I mean in the parks almost every aspect of the park has like rainbow flags and weaved and stuff like that. All that to say is this is like I'm not bothered when non Christians act like non Christians. I'm I'm um, but at minimum I'm bothered when Christians are uncharitable to to non believers and expecting non believers to not act like the to, the to real like irony of this to me is that the one group who actively goes out of their way to say hey. The thing that you find value in, I want to take away, is that's kind of like evangelism, right? Like, hey, yeah. the way you're living is wrong, and I'm not saying anything negative from, against from evangelism. their perspective. I'm that's saying, what I'm that's saying, exactly I'm what we've been doing. I'm saying from the perspective of someone who does not see evangelical Christianity as their path, which they're wrong. Let's. I I don't want to say that I am you know, that, that all worldviews are equal. That's not at all what I'm saying, but I'm saying from their point of view, simple evangelism is doing exactly what we are accusing them of subtly doing in their movies. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you a question then. Cause I think it's a, I think it's a healthy conversation. What would Disney have to do to lose your business? 
Not much. I don't really. I mean, I mean to make you turn in your passes. Quit. What? Like, what more would they have to do if, if we're okay with allowing them to put up their standards and we're going to partake in it? I, I'm just painting more of an extreme picture, just for the sake of the conversation. Like, where's the line for you to be like, okay, I'm shutting off Disney now, or is there no I, line? I think. I think. I think that you're ultimately asking a question of like, where is the line for me to boycott something? And to me, I don't feel like I have an allegiance to any business that I have to boycott or not boycott, right? Like, because, for example, flip on the other side, uh, a large portion of the LGBT community refuses to eat at Chick-fil-A because of Dan Cathy's position on gay marriage or whatever. Or his it's not even that. It's like because he gives charitable money to organizations that are um, not for gay marriage. And at the same time, I know the Chick-fil-A that's like what like you know, right around the corner employs three gay youth. And so like like it, it's kind of like a boycotting a Chick-fil my Chick-fil-A means that you're taking money away from three gay youth who work at that Chick-fil-A. And at the same time, like you don't even know if like the McDonald's down the street is owned by a guy who is an evangelical Christian who may be against gay marriage. Ultimately, like I don't look at my I don't look at organ businesses as um, a moral standard bearer. I look at them as do they give me the product I want? Right? Am I and getting so, like, what I'm paying for? Am I getting what I'm paying for? Uh, it, it, like, like for example. So, for example, I think I've shared this story before about how I made the mistake one time of going to Hamburger Mary's for lunch because I didn't realize it was a drag queen restaurant. I've, I've shared this story before. Yes. Right? You guys okay? I'm not going to go back there because I don't one because the service wasn't that good. <laughs> but two like like there's no there's nothing from that restaurant that I want that I need in my life that also I can't get from somewhere else. Does that make sense? Um but I'm not going to like me me not going to that restaurant isn't a moral defiance because they are drag queens. It's because I don't need to go there and they don't give me anything that I desire and there's better burgers I can find. I think when it comes to Disney, it's like, like I, I, you're asking the questions like, what will it take for me to boycott something? And I think those are questions that like, I don't know if I necessarily even have to answer because I don't, I just won't go like, like for example, no, if you say Disney's not allowed in your house, that's cool. I don't have a problem with people not allowing Disney to be seen or whatever. I just don't necessarily see like a, a necessary reason to boycott something based on like. Oh, because they're supporting gay marriage. Because if we want to play that thread out, then don't shop at Target. Don't shop at Albertsons. Do shop anywhere. No yeah. Starbucks. Don't, don't no, get, so, so, and that's what I'm. What I'm getting don't get at gas is gas at a shell. And I think it's it's important because there's a there's what we consider boycott, and then there is what is boycott. Like in the traditional vein, boycott is I'm not going to go there. I'm going to let everyone else not go there, and I'm going to actively work against other people going there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making decision in your own family just to not use their services. I'm not going to be some non-vangelicus, you know what I'm saying, for, for Disney. But like, I'm just, I, I just think there has to be a line with me as a parent where I will not um, use a product or a service because of what's attached to it. Like, that's just me. Like, like if, if, if raping people was socially acceptable and every, every day at noon, they raped people on stages in the park at Disney, would you just say, Oh, at noon, we're going to step out. Cause that's the part we don't like, but we'll go back in afternoon. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like there, you can make it as, as extreme as you want. And I think it's important that families have a line. And, if, and I'm not saying your line has to be where my line is, but I think sure. it's very important to like have this in place beforehand because our culture will shift. And if not, we end up like Lot, who had his family in Sodom and Gomorrah because the land was fertile. You know, and I think it's important that like we be ambassadors and we be holy. And that like we get our delight in things that are holy. So, I mean, for me, I, I, I take that very cautiously. Does that mean my kids don't watch Disney? No, it doesn't mean we don't watch Disney. We were just watching uh, Little Mermaid because that's like my OG favorite movie as a kid the other day, you know. But like at the same time, I'm, I'm still actively engaging in the conversation, which to Andrew's credit, that's what he's doing. I mean, to all you guys, that's what you're doing with your kids. And I think this is a great entrance ramp to have some important conversations with your kids about the shifting culture. That I, that's what I'm really getting at. This is a, they've given us a great conversation starter. 
Yeah, I just want to say that Turning Red's a lot of fun. You should watch it. <laughs> I don't even know what it's about. I, mean, I can't say also, anything. It's set, it's it's set in movie. 2002. The, the girl's got a Tamagotchi, and there's some awesome boy band music. Um, it's spectacular. Like, it's, I wouldn't uh, say the movie's spectacular. I, the movie's, you know, it's... Oh, the I animation's pay, killer, though. I, I, was, I wouldn't have paid to see it in the theater, but, you know, for... Yeah. for uh, it's included with your service. It's pretty good. But the boy, the faux boy band called Four Town is spectacular. I would just say, Dell, when you when you start talking about going down that road of like where's the line, you know, there's so many things that we are already very far down a line of participating in things that we actually, if we knew about it, wouldn't want to participate in. So, for instance, if you start googling around fast fashion, you're going to be very very depressed very quickly at slave labor just trashing the environment i mean you know people have said if you buy a tomato out of season you're basically funding slave labor so you know the the problem for me with that kind of mindset is what comes what should come along with that is consistency and it's almost impossible to be consistent with that there's no way for you to actually know all of the things that you're funding that are outside of what we would want. And so I just, to me, it's just, it's more of, you know, my daughter asked me a question the other day that I didn't, was not ready for her to ask me, but she asked me. And, you know, I mean, all I can do is answer it and hopefully demonstrate what it looks like to be a person of love, joy, and peace and in, Jeff, the middle, in the middle of a world that isn't. Dude, I think that's spot on. And I think what, what you just did for me was pretty convicting because it's like, okay, we can't be perfect arbiters of, you know, walking that line, but dang, be, that doesn't give me an excuse not to try. You know what I'm saying? No, like but, I, but I need to is, be is that when, we, when, when we try right yeah. now, evangelicals try specifically when it yeah. comes to the LGBTQ. We're very, I agree. We're very I agree. It doesn't there's need to whole, just be that. There's it, a whole lot of human slavery. There's a whole lot of corruption. Yes. There's a whole lot of abuse that we're fine turning a blind eye to, but we're not fine turning. And I'm not saying so, that, I'm not saying that anything is not sin. I'm saying as evangelicals, we are so picky about which sins we're going to stand against yeah. when we turn a blind eye to the other one that yes. it gives it gives the sin that we are standing up against. It gives people in that lifestyle an excuse to call us hypocrites because it's hypocritical to only care about one sin that passionately and to not care about others. Yeah, if you want to take this all the way down to the back to the practically pastoring level, like we got to make sure that we're not just standing on one hill. Mm-hmm. Like that's not it. Like the t- the highest hill we got to stand on is that of the gospel, right? Of that is what is lovely, that is what is good. That's what scripture tells us, dwell on what is good, holy, what is righteous. Like that's the hill we need to be standing on. And then all the other hills take their subsequent places behind that. But you know, that's Part of the problem with with modern day Christianity is we've learned that if we stand on this hell, hill and scream loud enough, the people who like those screams will come join us on this hill. But like we don't need to be on that hill. We need to be on the the big hill that is of Christ. You know. Uh, so I mean, I would a hundred percent affirm that up. You know, um, I'm I'm gonna forego the other main discussion I was gonna have for us. We, we'll talk about missionaries next week. But um, I guess I guess my my I want to I want to bring it back to what it means for us as pastors and stuff yeah. like that. Like, um, like there's a lot of like just like you, we've had a lot of conversations about ourselves about how we parent and how we uh, navigate this stuff. But what do you feel like is your responsibility, either from the pulpit or just in your care for others? Like I said, I've had multiple parents from different sides of the conversation come to me in this discussion, and like you know, one of the parents that came up to me in this discussion was. A, uh, a first generation Asian American who very much relates this story, not just from like a, I, will, I was a woman that went through puberty, but like the experience of having a parent who was an immigrant from another country um, and having that like um, um, kind of um, stigma, you know. Yeah, that stigma of like trying to let go from tradition and trying to relate to being American. Like she said, there's something there was something really that was really powerful in that illustration. Um, And then there's and then, you know, I've had parents that say like, oh, this is promoting um, mysticism, which is, you know, so there's a lot of movies, but this is promoting mysticism and like um, being disobedient to your parents. And it's also promoting um, 
things that kids should not be, you know, but, one but thing we only like it when white girls promote mysticism and disobeying their parents. <laughs> sure. Like frozen. <laughs> or, no, but, uh, but like, you know, at the end of the movie, there's a big line where the mom was like telling the daughter, you know, Hey, you know, your tail showing, your ears are showing my panda, says, my choice, um, my panda, my choice. And I remember I, I, I was like, well, that was, as in your face as any line could be in a movie for a kid's movie. Um, and so, you know, again, like I'm not making a statement about whether or not I, this is what, this is how I've been pastoring my, 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 my people at my church. I just say, listen, you as parents have every right to determine what you want to show your kids or not. Um, the, the downside to all this is like, unless your kids are in a commune, away from everybody they're going to engage with other kids who have seen these movies it doesn't mean you have to show these movies to your kids but at least you're you should be able to have your kids be somewhat socially intelligent enough to 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 explain why they didn't watch it or or be under or to be able to understand why there's groups of people who have seen this movie and why their parents allow their kids to see the movie and, and yours don't um, you know, I grew up, and, I grew up full on indie fundy. Like again, my, yeah. my parents met at Bob Jones university. My parents have never had a deck of playing cards in their house. I got grounded for a month when I was 15 for sneaking out to go see Dr. Doolittle. If you are, if you are choosing to be completely countercultural with your kids in an emphatic way, you better give them a good reason. And it better make sense besides I'm your parents and this is what we've decided you better be able to defend it because otherwise you're going to raise little me's. I don't know that anybody wants that. In terms of pastoring, I think um, one of the roles that I, I, I'm certain that pastors don't have is to be the police. I'm not, it's not my job to police people's behavior. I'm, I'm, you know, Hebrews 13 talks about as one who's keeping watch over your soul but that doesn't mean that I'm with you every second and telling you, ah, you shouldn't be watching that. You should be watching that because, frankly, I'm not the Holy Spirit and people have Christian liberty. And that's a whole big, long conversation about things. Um, so for me, I think it's it's kind of what Delmar said. I mean, I, what I want to do is talk about uh, the beauty of the way that God the way that it seems to us that God has set the universe up to work. Um, there, there is a way that is right and good. And when you walk outside of that, there's just going to be consequences to it. The reality is that, I mean, the church in America has not done a good job of promoting the beauty of what it seems like biblical marriage looks like, because, you know, we've got all kinds of weird ideas around submission and um, what that means for men and women. We've got all kinds of weird ideas about um, what sex before or outside of marriage does to a person's soul. Um, And I think there's there's clear biblical teaching on those things, but it's not my job to like, you know, police what people are. I'm not going to get up and say you should or shouldn't watch this or you should or shouldn't read this book. I mean, I remember, you know, we've talked about the Mars Hill thing. I remember that happened in that, in that world with, I think the Rob Bell book that came out, it was like, you better not ever read this, which for some people you might as well get hand him a copy and read it to him when you tell him something like that. So I think for me, my job is to lead and to, you know, preach faithful sermons and lead people well. And I do have, I do feel an obligation to when someone asks me my opinion to, to, I mean, there's a weight to that, that somebody would ask you your opinion on a spiritual matter, I think is a big deal that as a pastor, you need to be willing to say, you know, I'm really not sure about this. Why don't we, you know, why don't we meet for a few weeks and, and have some discussions and let's break the Bible out. Let's talk about the underlying worldviews underneath what a movie like this is doing to us. What is it turning us into? What is watching Disney Plus doing to your soul? What is what is binging Netflix doing to your soul? Maybe the reality is you don't need to watch those things because that's another part of our worldview right now is like there is a cultural pressure that you have to participate in all of the relevant stuff. And the reality as Christians is you don't have to. You really don't have to. You, yeah, you might look like a nerd, but who cares? You really don't have to watch every movie that comes out. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. So for some of us, it's not wise. 
Just like for some of us, it's not wise to have alcohol in our house. Some of us are free to do it. Some of us are not. And for me, I put this under that category. This is this is almost under the category of like meat sacrifice to idols. Like this is something that some of us can do and some of us can't. And it's not right for those of us who can to cause the other ones to stumble. And I think that applies when it comes to pastoring people as well. I can have specific certain moral stances that are for my conscience as a Christian that if I impose on people in my congregation, I can be doing a disservice to. Uh, kind of similar to you guys, when, when people ask, I've actually had this kind of stuff happen quite more than I would, thought I would have before I went into this pastor role. But, hey, how should I parent You know this thing? And I say, well, first of all, hang on to the, don't skip over that line you just said, you parent. Like, God has given you the authority as a parent in that child's life. You know, and Deuteronomy six, right? The Shema, like right before that, it says, "This is your command that I've given you to teach your kids the things that are according to Scripture. Write them on the doorposts, which means whatever comes into your house, like you will have to answer for how you parented. So, how whatever you dump into your kids, like if you're not dumping a conversation in with it to help them make sense of it and put it in a Christian worldview, you have to answer for that. But being a successful parent is also like being a successful evangelist, right? A successful evangelism isn't how many converts you made. It's did you share the gospel, right? Because we know God's the one who works to call people to himself. Like successful parenting isn't that my kid grows up and becomes this perfect Christian. It's that I lived out my faith in front of my kid that they saw me have convictions that were grounded in the gospel, not just in um, biases, and that I lived it out and I cared about them and I cared about the world that I was sending them out into. And I think that's the encouragement we have to give our congregation. We uh, took a whole conversation uh, about <laughs> a dumb movie into like some, some territory I wasn't expecting. I think it was a good conversation. We want to hear what you think. You can feel free to reach, us, reach out to us either on Instagram or on Facebook in the Facebook group. Want to hear from you. Uh, please leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Share it with a friend. Um, and yeah, leave